Good morning and welcome to Elam Lutheran Church as we gather to <clears throat> worship our Savior both remotely and in our congregation. We're going to um, open today with uh, a greeting and our announcements rather than wait. So go, Pastor Hoff. A quick, uh, uh, I will be singing. No, uh, stay. <laughs> uh, just a quick announcement about uh, confirmation classes for the youth. We're going to start those not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday on the 20th. Any questions, 9 a.m. confirmation classes, you can email either me or... Uh, I think uh, Dan Larson will be asked to teach the uh, freshman class. Thanks. As we enter our time of September and sort of the fall beginning of gathering together, uh, the focus we're going to be having is looking at the Gospel of John. Uh, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, the Word was God. We are going to be looking at that Word, that living Word, our Lord Jesus, who calls us to faith and comes into, into this world because of his great love for us. I'm going to invite you to stand as we open in prayer and gather in worship. Lord God, Heavenly King, we thank you for your presence this day even as you've promised that where two or three come together in your name, Lord Jesus, you are there in our midst. And so even though our eyes may not see you, I pray that our hearts would be open, our ears would be tender, and our spirits would be moldable by the power of your Spirit, that we would hear the wonders of your love for us and your plans for eternity. Bless this time, Lord, and receives our, receive our gifts of prayer and praise and thanksgiving in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Remain standing as we open with our first song, He is Mighty to Save.
song is is new to many of you it's called speak O lord and as i look at the lyrics of this song it makes me um kind of think really why we gather together and worship every uh, sunday and why we worship here collectively and by the grace of god we're able to respond appropriately and live our lives according to his word on a daily basis i'm going to just read that first verse Speak, O Lord, as we come to you, we receive your food, your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Words of power that can never fail, let their truth prevail over unbelief. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us, truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will, that will echo down through eternity. And by grace we will stand in your promises, and by faith we will walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built and the earth is filled with your glory. Oh, 
I'll be reading uh, Genesis first chapters verses 26 through 31 and if you wish to follow along this is I'll be reading from the Bible which is located in your pews. Then God said let us make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the land and the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea <clears throat> and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will, be used, they will be yours for food and all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it. I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that all he had made and, all, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Although we didn't start at the very beginning, we skipped a couple days to get into where we are today. Well, as Moses uh, begins his book of beginnings, he lays out God's chosen order that, that he decided when he was going to create his universe a universe that would bring glory to him, but also good to the crown of his creation, that is, man and woman. Out of nothing, 
except God himself. He spoke the words, let there be light. And when he spoke those words, when he commanded, what he said is exactly what happened. And so, all of a sudden, they go through days of creation. On that first day, God speaks, and light is created, and it's separated from darkness. And you can sort of see the the graphic on the screen that I've got here at the begin with. Day two, all of a sudden, he speaks and creates a stable atmosphere, separating uh, uh, the heavens from the oceans. On day, once a, day three, once again, God speaks, and at his voice is created dry land, separation of waters and seas, and, and a place where, where living vegetation can grow. There's plants, there's fruit, there's, there's plants with seeds in them to, to continue to grow on after their life has come to a close. On day four, God speaks, and there is the sun, and the moon, and the stars that we can see so well at night. On day five, God speaks, and he fills the seas with living creatures that swim about. He fills the sky with birds that that are not limited to to ground travel. And then finally, on day six, he creates creatures that fill the the solid earth, the the terra firma, the, uh, the crown of which, that which he is most excited about and the very most proud about, he creates people man and woman, with special abilities and special responsibilities. Notice that as God speaks, what he says happens. Let there be, and depending on whatever day it was, what he said to let be is exactly what came about. God's word speaks and life blossoms. God speaks and his hopes and his plans for the future already become a reality being walked out. Now, some of you have heard that back in 1972, I was one of those fortunate people that got that letter from the president saying greetings, followed by, you're hereby ordered. I was drafted. And, and during those years in the army, a very common phrase to be heard when someone wearing green figured he would do just enough to get by would say, well, that's good enough for government work. Some of you may have heard that word before. Some of you may have even uttered those words before. Well, I want to tell you, there is not one tiny bit of, well, that's good enough for now, coming from God's voice. Everything that God does is not, that's good enough. In fact, God is very specific. After day one, After day two, after day three, after day four, and after day five, God says, to quote the Hebrew, kitov, that's good. That's good. Ooh, that's good. Day after day, God steps back from that creation that he has done and says, and declares, and judges, that is good. However, he doesn't say that after day six. Part of it is there, but after day six, instead of saying, 
From the mouth of God comes the word tov, mehod. Not that's good, but this is good in the exceeding. In fact, if you could cram all the meanings and fullness of the word good, it wouldn't contain how phenomenal God declares that sixth day of creation. And he wasn't so much smiling at the hippopotamus when he said it, although I'm sure he was happy with the hippopotamus, or the platypus, or the giraffe, or the pterodactyls. No, what God looked at when he said, Tov me'od, good in the exceeding, exceptionally phenomenal, was the crown of his creation. He created man. Male and female, he created them. And what he has created, God says, almost as it were, patting himself on the back, oh, that is a job well done. People, the jewel of God's creation. In his lectures on uh, the book of Genesis, Martin Luther uh, says this, Attention should be given to the text before us in which the Holy Spirit dignifies the nature of man in such a glorious manner and distinguishes it from all other creatures. His physical or animal life was indeed to be similar to that of the beasts, just as the beasts have need for food and drink and rest to refresh their bodies. So Adam, even in his innocence, would make use of them. But what is added? That man was created for his physical life in such a way that he was nevertheless made according to the image and the likeness of God. This is an indication of another and better life than just the physical. Thus, Adam had a twofold life, a physical one and an immortal one. You see, there was a difference in God's creating the things and people. We are the ones that God says is created after his likeness, after his image. That Don't think that God is six foot tall and a little bit overweight. That's not what it's talking about when he makes us in his image. But there's a uniqueness in the eternalness and the creativeness in the life-givingness of God that he has shared with us. And another thing that he shared with us is the power of speech. The impact that speech can have. Now, I can say, let there be light, and in order for that to happen for me, I have to go over and hit the switch. Not so with God. So, you know, my abilities are not what his abilities are. Your abilities aren't what his are. But there is a uniqueness about man and woman that God has created us in his image with creativity, with plans for a future and eternity. We already have begun eternal life. Our life is not going to end. As God creates Adam, that first human, making him an eternal being, that means he's no longer just limited to, to earth and no longer limited just to time. There's going to be some point when time as we know it comes to an end. And as we step from this part of eternity into the next part of eternity, we'll even begin to understand that a little bit better. God, as he has come to a conclusion of his almost sixth day finishing, he then gets a little, as it were, a clipboard and spells out a job description for this wonderful creation of his people. 
And in that job description, he says in verse 28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. There's a plan that God has that he shares with Adam that Adam is to walk out. Receive God's blessings. Be fruitful. Have babies and fill the earth. And take your rightful place in God's created order. Back, you know, coming up in the next chapter. And, and as we begin chapter 2, what it really does is it sort of gets the, the microscope out looking back at day 6. So it's, it's not a separate creation that he's talking about when he gets to chapter 2. He starts talking about what took place on day 6, that unique creation. Uh, different from just the animals that crawl and fly and swim. But, but that special animal, that eternal animal that we are. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. Oop, here's a part of the job description. In the garden, tend it, care for it, keep it. And then verses 19 through 20, out of Genesis 2. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper found to complete him. His fullness was not there yet. A part of that, that rightful place in the midst of God's created order is is to live righteously, live as God has designed us in the midst of this garden. He doesn't want us to destroy it. It always seems strange to me how fish could survive in a fish tank. Because after they ate, they did what we do after we eat. That whole process of peristalsis takes place and, and what goes in eventually comes out. And there those fish are swimming around pooping in the front room. It always seems strange to me. Sometimes that's how people live. God calls us to be stewards of his creation, to tend it and care for it. You know, when the first European settlers came and landed on the eastern shores of this continent, and they built their log houses, and they plowed the, the, the fields that became where they would plant. You know, right now in the United States, there are more trees growing than there ever has been at any other time. There are so many more trees growing now in the forests than there were when the first settlers came. Why? Because people have cared. People have planned ahead. There are many people who have taken seriously that, that responsibility of caring for this part of the garden where God has placed us. My family back in North Dakota is very careful as they farm. They do everything they can to enrich the soil. Sometimes letting it just lay there for a year to <sighs> get a breath. And other times planting things just for the design of plowing it down so it'll be more healthy. Caring for the soil. Good. Walking out that plan that God has given. Stewardship over that which God entrusts to our responsibility. And already in Adam's job description, uh, even though he's just a beginner at this job description stuff, we can see that he's tending the garden, he's, he's naming the animals. What a hoot that must have been. 
uh, as, as Luther talks about it, he says, the amazing unfallen wisdom that Adam had at that point, understanding the, the very nature already of some of those creatures, their unique personalities, and tying that into the very name that they would be given. And soon, seeing all those other creatures, he saw a creature that he had never seen before. And he saw that creature, and he says, <laughs> She became the name Eve. He, Adam always was busy naming things. That's what God told him to do. And he named her Eve, the mother of, of all living people. And with that, Eve and he began to fulfill the command of fruitfulness, multiplying and filling. It was a slow start, but you know what? The filling continues to happen. Now, we know that the work is not complete. The job's not done. There's a lot of things that, that God still has designed for us to be walking in. Walking into his glory and to, to the good of his creation. And when I say that, it's not just the plants and animals and dirt and soil and air. But part of his creation and people. The kind of things that, that he calls us to, to, to cast the seed of hopefulness into their life. To, to, to speak a creative word that, that doesn't crush somebody, but draws them to the light, that light that shines in the darkness. Scripture is filled with the unmistakable commands that God has placed in our laps, especially as those who have heard the gospel Believe and trust what God has done for us in Jesus. Just hear some of these commands that God lays in our lap, that, that, that God places on our to-do list, our job description. How about this one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Oh, yeah, and Jesus says there's a second command just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he said in, in, in Mark 12, verses 28 to 31, to a guy who said, you know, what must I do? What must I do? You love the Lord your God with absolutely everything you are. And you love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes that gets to be a little bit hard. But I want to tell you, we're not in this job description by ourselves. He sent his Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to help us see and to make a change in us. How about... How about this work that God gives us, that we would believe in Jesus? Here's what it says in John 6, 28 and 29. And they said to him, that is to Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Job description, what is it that God wants us to do for work? And Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Part of our job description Believe in the one that God has sent, our Lord Jesus. And notice, it's the work of God. We didn't build faith in us, but his spirit spoke it into us. The spirit is the one who calls us and gathers us, enlightens us, and sanctifies us. It's God's work. This is the work of God that you would believe in the one whom he has sent. Believing in the Lord Jesus, big time on our job description. Remember the, the, the jailer in Philippi? The one who, who was in charge of, of Paul and Silas? 
after they've been beaten with rods and, and scourged and everything else they went through and set in the darkest, ugliest part of the prison. And as those two are singing hymns and praising God. And I almost picture it that as they're singing hymns, it probably was not a dirge. Woe is me, I hurt so bad. I don't think that's what it was. I think it was hymns of praise. Why do I think it? Because I think God started to tap his foot right along with them as they were singing. And pretty soon everything started to shake. The prison was opened. They saved the life of the jailer who was going to commit suicide because of it. He saw the power of God, and what did he say? What must I do to be saved? You can say those words with me just as well as I can. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You and your household. That's part of the work of God that he places in our lives that we would believe, that we would trust the salving, salvation work of the Lord Jesus Christ. What other kind of job description does God have on your list? Let me suggest that Part of that job description is we would be open to him dwelling in our heart through faith. Here's what it says in Ephesians 3, beginning of verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with the fullness of God that his spirit would communicate to you and to me the, the, the depth and the height and the width and the length of this immeasurable love that God has for you in Christ Jesus. And that you would believe that. And that you would trust that. And that you would know what it is that God has done as he has sent his spirit to fill your being. How about as a part of your job description and my job description that we would know and live the word of God? To, to Timothy, his young pastor friend, Paul writes these words in 2 Timothy 2. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed Rightly handling the word of truth. Now well, that might take a little work then. That we would allow that word of truth to dwell in our minds and into our hearts. So that when we hear something from a pastor or a teacher that, that doesn't quite jibe. Well what God's word says, his spirit and, and that work that you've done before are protecting you from Maybe misspoken words by someone who might stand behind a, a pulpit like this. Or just because they happen to be a Sunday school teacher. You know, sometimes those Sunday school teachers make mistakes. And yet the Spirit of God wants to work in us the truth and the depth of his word so that we always know the difference between what is right and what is a bit off. I heard the story of a banker who was training his son to be one who would be working with money. And what he always did was he would bring home new crisp paper money for his kid to play with. And he was asked, why do you give him money to play with? And he said, because I want him so familiar with the real stuff that whenever a counterfeit comes across, He'll immediately reject it. 
Oh, that we would so be filled with the real stuff of God's Word so that when anything comes off the mark, His Spirit is already protecting us from the lies the enemy would use against us. Part of our job description, church, hear these words through Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong, be courageous, for I, the Lord your God, am with you wherever you go. God is with us, not only beside us, but within us. And wherever we go, He's going to be there. So be strong. Be bold. Be courageous. God is there. Husbands, can I share with you a little bit of God's to-do list for you? A job description? We find it in Ephesians 5, where it says, Husbands, Love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I've been a husband for 47 years. I haven't made it that far yet. I love my wife dearly, but not as much yet as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. Needs improvement, Herb. Husbands, if you're far from that, you got a place to go. The Lord Jesus, who sent his spirit to point it out and to lovingly guide and walk together with you. Women, Hear this word that Peter writes in his first letter, the third chapter. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Ladies, a gentle and peaceable spirit that in God's sight is so precious. And when you've got some steps to go, just like that husband has, that same spirit dwells within you. Take a breath. This isn't the hill I need to die on. I can be at peace with my husband, with my neighbor. And though I've asked him 46 times to do something, he may do it after the 97th time I ask. Be gracious. Some of us are slow learners that you have to deal with. One other thing on our job description, this comes Philippians chapter 2. Where, where it is spoken that have this mind, verses 5 through 11, among yourselves, which is yours, this attitude, which is in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped, remember? He emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, and being found in human form, gave himself up. As that continues on, and, and it brings glory to God the Father, it's then followed with some words that sometimes are hard for us Lutherans to hear. Us Lutherans who impressed so much with Ephesians, it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, not your own doing, it's a free gift of God, not because of works, lest anyone should boast. That, that, that Those words hang big on our Luther head. These words from the same Paul sometimes aren't quite so easy. Work out your own salvation. Part of our job description. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
because God is at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. There are things that God chooses to do for us, and then there's things that God tells us to do. If we try to do what God is doing for us, we're missing the mark. But if we don't do what God tells us to do, we're missing the mark even worse. So, because God's Spirit is working in you, willing and working to do that which brings pleasure to Him, work it out. You, work it out. Have a hard time forgiving someone? They've done some real ugly things to you? If you're not willing to forgive them, be very careful a little bit later on when we speak and pray together the Lord's Prayer. Because we're pleading with God, forgive me just like I forgive those who sin against me. If someone is, is keeping you captive, it's actually you who won't let go of something ugly someone else has done. God gives to you his spirit. God blesses you with his love and forgiveness. And he says, now I want that same forgiveness and love and grace to flow from you, through you, to those that are so hard to forgive. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who is at work within you. See, he's inside. It's an inside job for him. He can make it happen if we choose to walk where he leads. Job. Job well done in creation. Job getting done and in process in us as creatures. God hasn't given up on you or on me. And he looks forward to the time when we have breathed our last or he returns and we are translated into the sky. And he looks us face to face eye to eye, and he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that's been prepared for you from the foundations of the world. And I would pray, Lord, that you would help us, that you would help us understand who it is that you have made us to be, how you have forgiven us, how you have filled us with your spirit, so that, that we might not be in this alone, we might not wander to and fro trying to figure out what it's all about, but that we would do the job that you have placed within our heart to bring glory to you and wonders to your creation. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand together as, as we sing Living for Jesus.
Now, as we prepare to meet our Lord at the table he serves, the table in the pews this day, I invite you to join together with me as we acknowledge the reason we need our Savior to be encouraged by this gift of the altar, our sin, and his mercy. Together, let's pray. As the words come up on the screen. Thank you. No, we're going to try the confession of sin. Thank you. Almighty God, our maker and redeemer, we poor sinners confess to you that we are by nature sinful and unclean and that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Therefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy and ask you for Christ's sake, grant us forgiveness of all our sins, and by your Holy Spirit increase in us true knowledge of you and of your word, and true obedience to your word, and that by your grace we may have everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It is the promise of God that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It is because of his promise that I proclaim to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins to you who trust in our God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to be speaking the words of Jesus from that uh, Last Supper meal. And as we've spoken the words and pray the Lord's Prayer, music team is going to sing in remembrance. At that time, together, we will commune. Dearly beloved of God, our Lord Jesus, on that night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then, after the supper was ended, he took the cup. Again he gave thanks, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink of this, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood. It's poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. This do in remembrance of me. And now as his people, let's pray the prayer our Lord has taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As they sing, I'd invite you as your hearts are ready to share in this communion with the Lord. Now the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his holy and his precious blood strengthen you and preserve you in true faith unto life everlasting. Amen. I invite you now to open your hands, to open your hearts, and receive the blessing of God who loves you so very much. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with the greatest of all his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God looks at you today and he says, Tov me'od. You are good in the exceeding. Walk in that declaration of God. Amen. things on you this day. 